Real people. Real opinions. Real Talk Radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Very sad day. Do you, remember, do you remember this? Let me just play this here for you. Do you remember this? It's that the corn music, doesn't it? Sounds like some cheap naff detective show. It actually was. But it was one of my favourites. And David McCallum and Robert Vaughn were the men from Uncle. Or, as it was called, the man from Uncle. You may remember, what a great TV show, if you read that kind of thing. Um, David McCallum, of course, it was also known as The Invisible Man. That was one of my favourite TV shows as well. And more recently, he was in NCIS, uh, decades later. Uh, he was 90 years of age, but sadly, he passed away today, uh, David McCallum. Uh, good old age, 90 years of age. I think we'd all be happy to reach that point in our lives. Obviously, he had a good life. He's plenty of money uh, because he appeared in numerous television shows, numerous movies, and uh, right, right throughout his whole life. And a great, I used to love Max. I think, I don't think David McCallum was American. I, why did, why does it, the word Russian come into my head? Maybe that's just, obviously the role he played was Ilya Kuryakin, uh, who would have been Russian, I think. But I don't, I don't, but I do think he was foreign. He had a kind of foreign look about him, didn't he? He kind of this kind of blonde haired guy. Do you remember him? Anyway, one of my favorite TV shows was, was both The Man from Uncle. And also the Invisible Man. I am the Invisible Man. Do you remember the Invisible Man? Used to, the Invisible Man was so funny. You'd go around with the bandages on him. Do you remember? And then he'd take the bandages off, and all you'd see was the pair of glasses walking around the room. Do you remember the pair of glasses would be just walking around the room, and you were to believe that was an Invisible Man when really it was two people on a stage set with the glasses held with twine or something to the ceiling walking. Around. Anyway, it was a great TV show, considering they'd no such thing as CGI in those days. The Invisible Man. And The Man from Uncle was a great TV show, which was remade more recently, by the way, with Henry Cavill and, uh, oh, who was the other guy in it? I can't remember. The movie, which was quite good, actually. It was a good remake. But anyway, sadly, the reason I was telling you all that was because David McCallum has passed away. Now, we like a little bit of inspiration on a Monday evening here, and our next guest is going to provide that. I certainly hope so. I think we all need a bit of inspiration. Jared Morgan is the author of a recently published book called Becoming Your Best Possible Self. His book was initially written as a legacy for his own two sons, and all the profits from the sale of the book will go to the charity Samaritans Ireland. Now, the book contains information on positive psychology and insights from experts. It is a journey to a personal transformation. And he joins me on the line. Good afternoon. Good evening to you, Jared. How are you? Good evening, Niall. How are you too? Good. You know, I think we all want to be our best possible self, don't we? We certainly make an attempt to be, but we're not always. So is there, a, is there a kind of recipe to making it work? Well, look, it's, 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 it's not really a destination, if you know what I mean. It's, it's an ongoing process, Niall. And um, I, I'm nearing 60 now myself. So I, I was 60 I, I on Saturday, so by the way. Or Friday, should I say. Oh, well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, do you feel any different, Niall? I just feel like I've made it. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Well, well, there you go. But you do learn lessons along the way, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I yeah. actually said to somebody the other day, because people were coming on wishing me a happy birthday the other night on the air, and I said to people, I always remember, maybe I had a very negative view of life, but I always remember like when I got to 40, that's a kind of bit of a turning point, right? 
And when I got to, because maybe that's yeah. how you're halfway through your life, you go through this kind of what they call yeah. the midlife crisis. But I got to 40. Midlife crisis. Yeah. yeah. And I kept saying to myself, mm. if I could just make it to Christmas now, I'll be happy. If I make it to the kid's birthday, I'll be happy. If I make it to summer, I'll be happy. If right. I get, yeah. You know, and you, and you just keep setting these targets for yourself to make it. But then I said, when you get to about 60, you stop caring. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I, I know. But I, I suppose we do learn a, a few things along the way. And that was the kind of impetus to the book. I was kind of saying to myself, I've had conversations with my sons over the years, you know, and I've told them bits and pieces, but they're always on the move. And I said to myself, before I die now myself, do you know what? I'll put it down what I think I know and what I've researched and learned. Uh, you know, I have a background in educational psychology. I was a teacher for 30 years. I was a principal of a college. I was CEO of an ETB. So all of that kind of environment has, has kind of given me uh, interaction with younger people and adults returning to education. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said... I and are, they, are these lot. the kind of rules for life, Sharon? Like one of my rules for life is value yourself, right? Because people forget to value themselves. You know what I mean? And yeah. another one of my rules for life is always be good to people on the way up the ladder. You never know when you need them on the way down. These kind of, I suppose, cliches, but they are good cliches. Um, there are no friends in well, business. Well, all those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they're pretty good, and your very first one there is 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 actually key to the new approach of positive psychology. Now, positive psychology sounds like, you know, all this mumbo jumbo, and you know, love yourself, and and you know, uh, be always positive. And people often say, in real life, how can I be like that? But this idea of loving yourself, as you said, is actually so key to the new approach. The old approach. Niall, just in kind of in summary of the research, is showing that, you know, uh, the old approach to happiness and success and and kind of getting on is doing and having. And the two outcomes to that are doing is achievements, you know, a whole lot of accolades and achievements. And having is possessions. You know, we all love our stuff. But if we focus on just those two two, two things, they're external things to ourselves, if you know what I mean. Mm. And the problem with that is we're never really satisfied with them because the, we, we want more, even though, you know, we might say, if I get that yacht now, uh, that 13-foot yacht, I'll be happy because, you know, I'll be able to sail around. But then you see a, a 60-foot yacht around the corner and you want that. In other words, it's, it's always looking for more and more. And you, 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 you really are we, ever, sa- are we ever, ever satisfied? Or is that just human nature? Are we, well, I mean, when we see millionaires like Elon Musk or billionaires like Elon Musk, he's still not satisfied. Yeah. He's the richest man in the world and he's still not satisfied. That's right. And he's a whole lot of projects and he's striving for this, that and the other. But, I mean, he, he is uh, like pursuing some of the things he wants to pursue. But you said loving yourself. The new approach is this approach to, which they're saying is better, is becoming your best focuses on doing and having their fine things but in in the very first instance it's focusing on being your best possible self and being your best possible self the outcome to that is self-acceptance accepting yourself now i go through quite a lot of detail on how that works it sounds kind of simple and it sounds maybe even difficult as well how you know and, and and i actually look at the whole science of that but what I do is in the book, I try to break it down into, uh, if you like, some of the research and some of my own life experience. That's the kind of structure of the book. 
and it, it revolves a bit around mindset. You've heard quite a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And mindset, it, there's different definitions for it. But basically, before we make any decision, basically put it through a filter. So if some situation comes along and we have to make a decision, we put it through a filter of our beliefs, our values, and our attitudes. And then we take the action. So if so you ha- if you have mind, a negative, yeah. sorry for interrupting, but if you have a negative yeah, view yeah, no, of something, in other words, yeah. if you think something is going to fail, and you've say, let's say you're embarking on a project, and you think, oh, this is just not yeah. going to work, this is just not going to work. In other words, it most likely won't work because you don't have faith in it. In other words, if you have a more positive view, a positive view of yourself in achieving that goal, you have a better chance of things working for you. Is that kind of what you're well, saying? Well, that's absolutely. That's absolutely. Say, say, take beliefs then. That those three things are key to the book. And I outline, you know, in detail about beliefs. There's limiting beliefs and there's empowering beliefs. But the belief that you talked about is, you know, it, as Henry Ford saying, thinking makes it so. So, I mean, you, if you think it's not going to work, it probably won't work. If you think it possibly will work and you'll do everything to make it work, it may well work. Mm. So, I mean, your belief can go one way or the other. It, 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 it can shape what actually happens. But a very interesting area, and it's something I haven't even done myself. In, you know, in 60 years, uh, someone asked me now a few years ago, I said, what are your actual values? And I said, oh, well, I, you know, I, I value certain things like family and things like that. But I couldn't really kind of list them in detail, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's something that most people don't do. And, and, the and should we? Us we should, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I have a list of values. I, I prioritize, family, rightly yeah. so, family, okay, is, is the priority. Yeah. Uh, and after that yeah. is my own health. And the, and their health, yeah. obviously, as well. And then after that yeah. is success. Now, and success to me is not money, by the way. Can I just point out? I clearly wouldn't yeah, be. Yeah. Otherwise, and, otherwise, I'd be working in RTE. Not for me. Well, <laughs> writing a book, which, if it which was very mo- unusual, Niall. Yeah, if it was money, yeah, I'd be working I'm in RTE. A book yeah, that doesn't have success money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not looking for money either. You know. So success yeah. to me is more important than the financial success, if you know what I mean. Just the success of achievement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, but but you have some sense of your values, have you? Absolutely. I, I, I have a huge... I, now, this sounds, might sound egotistical because I don't want to... I think there's a difference between egotistical and having confidence in yourself. I have a huge confidence in myself and my ability, um, but I'm not egotistical. And you're a very good presenter, in fairness to you. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. But I, I think that people I work with, and I've worked with throughout the years, will say, in comparison to many people in media, because sometimes it's very difficult when you work in media, particularly if you're doing well, not to be egotistical. Uh, and I know plenty of people yeah. in media who are egotistical, but I don't think I am. Now, Jane is right. nodding her okay. head to say, no, I'm definitely not. So that's good. I'm glad to see this. <laughs> She's affirming that. <laughs> okay. okay. So, so I think I think being, being in control, kind yes. Of, yeah, it, egotistical to some extent is you, you, need, you actually walk over people to get your success. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that you don't bring other people along with you. And that wouldn't be you, Niall. I wouldn't damage anybody else's career to, you know, gain yeah. in my career. I would never gain. do that. And, sure. and I know people have often said to me in the past, sometimes you have to be ruthless to be successful. But I, I mean, we look at, say, the likes of Steve Jobs, for example, who was ruthless to, to be successful yeah. and treated people like dirt. Yeah. I couldn't be like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're right. And the science tells you that you're right. Mm-hmm. But... 
you know, have you ever formally sat down and, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an exercise, I have it in the book, you know, with, it, with there's at least 120 values and you go through them and you tick them off and you don't think about them too much because if you think about them too much, you won't really, it's, you go with your gut feeling on them. Okay, give us a few of them, Jared. Give us a few of them and I'll take them oh, here for you. Oh, oh, okay, now, for example, now, my, my ranks, and you rank them as well, that's a very difficult thing to do as well, okay. you know, when you, yeah. when you rank things. But like my personal values at the moment are family and friends, well-being and health, and they're actually the, the same two you mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, growth, which will be personal growth and, and development, caring, acceptance, fun and happiness. You know, we all want a bit of fun in our lives. Commitment and the environment, I'm quite passionate about it as well. So I've listed all those Yeah, well, things. the environment wouldn't be on my list. I'm sorry. Jane is, laugh. no, Jane is laughing at me here. I'm not, a, I'm not into the whole climate change thing. Pff, take it or leave it. So, I mean, okay. that's just, maybe, maybe okay. just I'm apathetic towards it. That's all. I, I understand. But, you know, there's a whole big science behind that as well. But mm. so you list your values after a kind of a long, lengthy exercise. It only takes about an hour or two. And, and you have them there. And it just means if you align your life to your values, that's where the sweet spot is. They're saying if you, if you're, it, so for example, if you were doing your uh, to-do list, you know, for tomorrow, and you're looking along the list, and you're kind of saying this, there's, there's, there's very basic things we have to do on our to-do list. We have to put the bin out, and we have to do all the cooking and, the, you know, dropping the kids and all the rest. They're all essential things. But say your other things on your to-do list, if you quickly look along your values and say they're not really anything to do with my values or that, that thing there, you know, going off, you know, to, to, to some match uh, tomorrow and it, I look along my values and I say, well, look, family's the most important. Maybe I should be calling to my mother or, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or helping out something. I, I know they're having a problem in the family and maybe I'll help them out, and I won't go to the match tomorrow. In other words, you're aligning your life and your priorities and your activities to your values in your life. Mm-hmm. Very few people do, and the research has shown 3 or 4% have ever even formally done it. Now, most of us in our head know what's important, but we actually need to list them. That's what the science is telling us, so that they're at the forefront all the time. I have them on my phone, and sometimes I'm writing a list and saying, they're only superfluous things they're not really moving and aligning myself to my values mm-hmm. and do you think we're all capable of being better people or being our best possible self are we all capable of it or are there some people who are just lost causes <laughs> I, I'd never say that and and to some extent you, you know some, I tell you why some people feel they're lost causes uh, Niall is that often they're comparing themselves to some other people, okay? Mm, and they're yeah. saying, look what he's doing or she's doing, okay? And in a way, the science here is telling us this positive psychology science. Oh, we've lost, oh, hang on. We've lost your line there. I'll get you straight back. I'll get you straight back, Jared. Unfortunately, we've lost your line. Um, we're talking about being your best possible self. And the reason we're talking about this, we're talking to Jared Morgan, who is a author of a recently published book called Becoming Your Best Possible Self. And as I said, his book was initially written as a legacy for his two sons. Um, but the profits of the sale of the book will go to the Samaritans Ireland to help other people, of course. Um, and Jared, by the way, has two books on the subject, a lecturing and high diploma in education students uh, at Maynooth. 
and university, by the way, during a 20-year period of management roles as a deputy principal and principal of a school. So the man knows exactly what he's talking about. He's also executive coaching and educational psychology background from the University College of Dublin, DIT. Um, and basically, I suppose, what he's looking for or what he wants for everybody is to be the best possible self. And I think you all know exactly what that means, don't you? Because there are times in our lives when you, you do something and you think, I could have done that better. Or, and he's right about the, the football game. You know what I mean? Rather than going to the football game, you know, I probably should have spent time with the kids because after all, I'm working all week. So you're working all week and you have a Saturday off and rather than spending your time with your young kids and you're going to miss those milestones, you know, you go to the pub with the lads or you go out to a football game or you watch something else or you do something, which I, I kind of believe is selfish. That's why I was never a person who kind of went out with the lads to football games, as Jared talks about, or I was never that kind of person. I would never have gone away on my own. Any spare time that I had, and because I do work quite a lot, I would spend it with family because to me, that is the most important thing. Now, obviously work has to come first in certain circumstances because you have to make money to provide for said family as well. So, sorry, getting back to Jared. I lost his line there for a second. Jared, sorry about that. I do apologize. Okay, Noel, uh, I thought you went very silent on me there. You were <laughs> contemplating what I was saying about values. But, um, <laughs> I, th- I was trying to explain to the listeners, when we talk about, you know, prioritizing things, sometimes yeah. we want to prioritize certain things, but life just doesn't allow us to. For example, I gave an example. Sometimes you do have to prioritize your job over your family because if you don't, you could lose the same job and not be able to provide for your family to be to be prioritizing for your family. So in other words, you are doing it to prioritize your family. Do you, do you understand the point I'm making? Yes, but, but, but sometimes the fact that you are able to think that way, you're saying, well, look, my family is important, hence I have to do this job. You are aligning yourself still to your family, even though you're not spending as much time with your family that you would like to. But, mm. but you're still, in doing that job, you're aligning yourself to your priority. Because yeah. if you weren't doing it, you wouldn't be providing for the family. Yeah, and that's a kind of man thing, isn't it? I hate to sound sexist on the air, right? <laughs> but it is, a, I don't know whether it's in our DNA, and, and sadly, that's why we see so many men taking their lives when they, you know, when, fin- when they come to financial yeah, ruin. I mean, yeah. we, we, men, I don't know whether it's in our DNA that we feel that we have to provide. I've always... Maybe it's a bit of a problem. I've always felt like that in my life, that I feel that I'm failing if I'm not providing. Yeah, that, that, that is an issue. And again, the, the psychology goes deep into that. And, and it's the hunter-gatherer, if you like, mm-hmm. um, going back to our past, uh, you know, and, and often men were just purely from a physical point of view, they were the hunters and gatherers. So mm. uh, it, it's in our DNA, if you like, and yeah. um, it's there, but 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 it's you know people have flourished even though they weren't the main provider, and because of certain circumstances they can't be provider, and you know somebody else in the family picks up the slack. Um, but it is difficult psychologically for for men and for women, I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. to to you know if 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 they're unemployed, for example, or whatever. Now, I mean, some people you know, switch unemployment to, you know, I'm not unemployed. You reframe it. I'm not unemployed. Unemployed looking for employment. All right. Okay. And we're very, you know, they reframe what, what what their position is rather than feeling 
look, I'm not providing for my family. In fact, often the time, you know, maybe they're, they're lying in bed and feeling sorry for themselves, where in fact, if they were unemployed, they should be employed finding the employment. And that means getting up down, sorry, you know, it means getting up at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning and being first up and literally doing everything to try and get that employment. In relation to it's what we were talking about earlier, looking at it. Uh, you know, the egotistical bit we were talking about earlier on, is there a fine yeah, line yeah. between being confident, which gets you, well, does well for you in life, and having faith in yourself, mm. and being cocky? Is, is There's a fine line there, isn't there? There, there absolutely is, you know. And, 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 and the cocky side of it, to some extent, often means that they talk about in the psychology sometimes uh, you, you have people called go-getters and go-givers. Now, the go-getters will do anything and are very cocky and will, will do anything to get what they want at the expense of everyone else, you know? Yeah. And that's when you're being cocky and that's when you're being kind of egotistical and not taking into account other people's opinion. And, you know, you're the only person in the room with an opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happens. That doesn't Whereas, work well on this show, can I just point out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I, w- I wouldn't recommend that. And like, yeah, exactly. And, and you can hear it and people get uncomfortable with it. Now, sometimes you have people who are extroverts naturally and they're very confident and it doesn't necessarily mean they're cocky. And, and in, in the Irish psyche, we're very quick to down somebody who's getting too uppity. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but is that is, is that that's almost like begrudgery, isn't it? It's like that very famous story that was told to me once about the Irish and the American walking down the road, and as they're walking down the road, they see these huge big gold gates, and they're looking through the gold gates, yeah. and there's a guy with a cigar in his mouth lying by the pool, and fancy blondes around him bringing him drinks and all sorts of things, and yeah, the American yeah. the American guy says, uh, "See that guy? I'm gonna be like him someday." The Irish guy says, see him, I'm going to kill him someday. <laughs> so it's that kind of Irish mentality of begrudgery. Yeah, yeah, we we don't like to see yeah. people doing too well, do we? Yeah. No, and the Americans are particularly good at it. You know, I mean, in America, you know, kids salute the flag every day from, mm. from day one in school and in kindergarten school. And they're, they're told to be positive and told to be, you know, um, confident. And, you know, it's, 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 it's recognized. And even, you know, if you fail in business in America, it's, it's, it's actually a badge of honor. Where if you, you do something here and you fail, it's considered, you know, you're a failure. And, and you know, mm-hmm. so really, we probably need to shift the psychology on that. But being cocky isn't to be recommended. It, it often is a negative I was, I was going to say, where, you know, judging by what you've just said a minute ago, you've probably where answered my balance? question. Yeah, yeah where, answer my question for me in relation to Irish people in general. I, I always yeah. get the feeling that Irish people are quite depressed all of the time. And we're quite down on ourselves all the time. That, you know, when you look mm, at, and, yeah. and I can even tell, say, for example, when we have guests on the air, right? And I don't mean you or any particular yeah. callers or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah. if I get an American guest on the air, you know, political correspondent talking about Donald Trump or yes, whatever yes, it is. Indeed. They're, they're, they're very yes. outspoken, they're confident, even just your average citizen. Yes. America, they seem much more confident. Irish people mm-hmm. as a whole, are we positive thinkers or are we not positive thinkers? We, 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 can, we could learn a lot from the Americans 
Now, we don't want to turn into Americans. We have our own culture. But there's, there's a man called Dr. Spelligman is his name, and he is the uh, father of positive psychology. And the positive psychology is not mumbo-jumbo. It's actually scientifically proven, uh, if you like, strategies. Now, I use a lot of them and mention a lot of that research in the book. And in a way, what the positive psychology is about is, you know, psychology, to some extent, traditionally looked at what was wrong with people. Whereas positive psychology is looking at how people can flourish. It's mm. a fascinating area. I've been studying it for 40 years. I have used it in my own life. It, it is useful. One of the things I, I look at, the kind of the last part of mindset I look at in the book is 50% of the book. It's attitude. Now, attitude is about approach. Now, some people say you've got an attitude. I don't really mean that. It's what your approach is to certain things that are definitely going to come up in your life. And these are the, the legacy items I want to teach my sons mm-hmm. to read the book. Now, I've handed them the book, and I don't know if they are even going to read this, but at least I feel happy that they, I have. And is there exercises that. in the book? I mean, does the book go through there kind is of. Exercise. Yeah, okay. Every single uh, attitude, say there's 20 attitudes in it, it's divided over three sections of attitudes, which are really, really important. There's attitudes to situations, you know, situations that happen in your life, attitudes to yourself. And you talked about self-love and self-acceptance. That's huge. And then the last one is attitudes to other people. Now, the big area that I've, I've studied is this whole area of attitude to service, for example. Yeah. You know, your contribution to this world. Often people are very unhappy because they're saying, all I'm doing is working nine to five. I need to do this for the family, but is we've all been given something, and really by giving back, that's a huge part of life. Oh no, I'm a firm believer in the world needs everybody, you know, and everybody plays a role. Yeah, we're exactly. all we're all part of the jigsaw puzzle. We we are, and, and there's a study by Spelligman that talks about say you wanted to do you did two experiments. One was you uh, tell someone do your favorite activity. And, you know, say you want to watch your favorite TV program or whatever and tell us how you feel after that. And it's all very positive. Mm-hmm. Great. It's my favorite thing. And then they said, do one act of kindness to some other person, a random person or whatever, and review how you feel after that. And they did this. And you, but you shouldn't. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you shouldn't do that for selfish reasons. I hear people all the time saying, No, no. I gave a fella on the street, you know, 10 euro today because he was homeless. But sometimes people do that to make themselves feel better rather than make the homeless person feel better. I don't mind about that too much because that's a win win situation. You're feeling better about it. And the person on the street has 10 euro or the 3 euro (laughs) you gave him. Up on the deal. That's a win win. (laughs) No problem. yeah. Go ahead, Jared. Unfortunately, I'm running out of time rapidly, Jared. But look, you're running out of time. I understand. Yeah, uh, that, that doesn't sound very positive, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know you have time, and I'm delighted that you've given me the time. The book is available on Amazon. It's a Kindle version. The Kindle version is something like three euro or four euro. All the profits from the book go to the smart it's 100% of that. It's a bit unusual for an author to do that, but it's part of, uh, if you like, one, one of my yeah. ways of giving back. 
That's so, what a great um, what a great idea and a wonderful thing to do. So the book for people yeah. who want to know is called Becoming Your Best yeah. Possible Self, and it's by Jared Morgan. That's it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Nile Boylan show. I